Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wii Universe. This is the show where we are playing every single Wii U game. Yeah, you you heard me. We're playing them. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes we, we throw them at glass, and sometimes we uh, blow them into pieces, and sometimes we get the Audubon Society right on our ass about that. Um, yeah, and we're, yeah. we're complaining about it. This is the, this is the Angry Boys podcast. Mm. The two angriest... So every podcast. Yeah, the two angriest boys on the internet. <laughs> we got some issues, and we want you to hear about them. First off... <laughs> What the hell's with this Audubon Society? We, as Americans, should have the right to fling birds into structures without those uh, animal rights people getting all on our ass. Look, look, I know I'm not very PC when I say this, okay? But I should be able to fling an eagle like a boomerang. Oh, yeah, we get that we might be canceled, but (laughs) these pigs have gone too damn far. Sorry to trigger you, liberals. (laughs) Yes, okay, so that's uh, 10 million uh, downloads just there. Yeah, Yeah, we just just, uh, lost it to the upper echelon mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. that was easy Coming my name's up Steve next, we'll have a famous sports star tell us how the vaccines are alive <laughs> um hello i'm woody siskowski we are dropping that bit we are <laughs> we are dropping the bit but that's okay we don't need to we can keep going back to the bit okay. i'm fine with it perfect fine with it. we're gonna talk about something that has far more of an audience than whatever the hell we were just talking about <laughs> which was mobile games from 2009 exactly <laughs> people are still thinking about those uh did this, i say that my name's woody siskowski you did you okay did. now well, you've said it twice well, Cut that! Cut that second one out. There's one to grow on. No, no, okay. Yeah. Uh, really, you got to get those bra- the branding brand early, brand often. You know. Oh yeah. Got to get that SEO. Bo- Bebo. Yeah. Bebo. Got a Bebo. Bebo that CEO. Um. Anyway, oh my God, I'm tired. Anyway, welcome everybody. Uh, this week we are playing uh, some Angry Birds. We're mm-hmm. playing Angry Birds Trilogy and Angry Birds Star Wars. So you might be uh, sitting at home scratching your head like, wait a minute, I didn't know this was a mobile phone television show slash podcast. Slash television show at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, didn't know it was one at all. It might explain why you haven't been able to see us this entire time. Well, I, well, I have a surprise for you, Steve. Uh-oh. I have installed a hidden camera in the corner there to watch you while you sleep and as we podcast. And if we get enough subscribers onto our Patreon, I will I will post the URL for that live feed, <laughs> along, along with a link where I sell my bathwater. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. And just to be clear, that is not actually happening. No, um, uh, I, I should note though that the state of mind I'm in right now, Woody was doing the bit where he was looking up into the corner to see the, the like to pretend there was an actual camera there, and I looked, I turned and looked. Well, I, I knew tr- there wasn't one. No, there. it's really just a testament to my mime abilities. I think yeah. that's it. You know. Uh, or it's just means that I will look at anything you point towards sure. or anybody points towards. You're, you're a regular Biff. Yeah. Biff, yeah. what the hell is that? <laughs> you know, uh, famed, beloved number one Pokemon, Mr. Mime, was actually based mm-hmm. on me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, I believe that. I believe that. Um, before we get into the world of Angry Birds, and I only bring this up because I actually have a relevant one, mm. what have you been playing, Steve, that's not Angry Birds trilogy slash Angry Birds Star I, Wars? I have relevant ones for this as well. Uh so the last week I've been playing a fuckload of Mortal Kombat, oh, I've which heard of this. Uh, you will you'll hear about if you listen to patreon.com slash ultra sixty four pod. We're coming up on our last entry in that ongoing series. So I've been playing the story modes of all of the Nether Realm games. Uh I, I, I really went in all went all in on this, so I'll have a lot of opinions. That is a lot of fighting content. One of the then, one of the goofiest things about the story modes in those games is they have to think of like 
Because, I mean, this has always been a thing with all fighting games. They have to figure out a reason why the good characters are fighting other good characters. Yes. And sometimes they really reach for them in the story mode. There are some real moments. I'll go into it in the Patreon show, but there are some real moments where the extremeness of the violence really conflicts with the uh, uh, relatively mainstream story they're trying to tell. Yeah, they're like, oh, let's just have a gentle spar where I break your skull in half. (laughs) Let me wipe your eyeball off my shoe real quick quick so that we can get some coffee after yeah, yeah exactly yeah. um and other than that i i actually uh played and finished a game just this afternoon i started and finished it in about two hours and it was, it was a game elmo's number adventure oh, man, and i, I learned wish. quite a few things let me tell you <laughs> For for too long, we have wondered what comes after the letter eight or the number eight. We we don't need to do that anymore. We, we know we breaking know. news. It's nine. It's nice. Yes, yes. Anyway, uh, I played a game called Super Liminal, which uh, came out about two years ago. It is from the creators of the Stanley Parable. Oh, which love I know that you're Stanley a big Parable. fan of. Uh, this game is really fucking cool. It's very 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 uh, inspired by Portal, like pretty okay. clearly. Uh, and a lot of Stanley parables in there as well. Lots of like uh, banal office spaces and big empty warehouses. And do they have super a, a trippy British visuals. narrator that passively aggressive? They do. Oh wow! They okay. do. Like, well, it, except you only find him through like boom boxes. You know, oh, like, sure. he, he reintroduces himself every time and tries to tell you a little bit about what you're doing. Basically, it's like a perspective based puzzler. So like. You pick up mm-hmm. a, a block while it's small, and then you walk far away until it's big, and then you drop it, and then you're climbing up a Oof. big old block. It, it, My head hurts in you describing it. It'll fuck with your head. It'll. It's similarly to Portal. Like it sounds really complicated until you start kind of messing with the mechanics, and then it's pretty natural. Uh, and it was a pretty easy game. Like I said, I, I okay. sat through it and played the whole afternoon. Like just played like two hours and uh, uh, beat it, and it's pretty great. Uh, I hadn't heard of it when it came out. Um, it, just it just came on the Game Pass. Pass? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I loved the Stanley Parable. I didn't really know that these guys had another game. So super liminal. Super Check it out. Liminal. Really fun. Okay, that, that that's a good one. Um, I went over to a buddy's house to look at his outrageous and ever-growing Lego collection. Ooh. Um, and he busted out his Sega Genesis Mini. Nice. Um, and I was like, oh, what have you been playing here? Toe Jammer and Earl was the one that he finally beat. Um, but I'm like, have you played Gunstar Heroes yet? He said no. And I'm like, well, we should we should play some Gunstar wow. Heroes, yeah. arguably the best game on the Genesis. Um, and so we actually played through the whole thing, um, which that game... Not as hard as I remember it, because I remember it being like super challenging as many treasure games are. And it really actually kind of peaks in difficulty on the second level where you fight that totally insane boss in the minecart level who has like seven different forms. Yeah, Yeah. one of the all time greatest bosses. But like that's kind of as hard as the game gets. And once you kind of the so obviously, you know, immaculate game, super good. Yeah, we had a great time. But the only issue I have with that game is. You can get the uh, homing laser mm-hmm. that just kind of will home directly into the enemies and stay on screen. Yeah. And so all you have to do is hold the button and focus on dodging, and there's very little incentive to get any other weapon. No, I agree. Which I kind agree. of breaks the game. A little bit, but it's also so satisfying to use that gun. It is yes. such a fun gun, and it makes you feel incredibly powerful. And and yeah, I agree. Like, I remember hearing that that game like was super, super tough. And it's not like, you know, 
a cakewalk or no. anything. You're going to be tested, but like this isn't a Ninja think, Gaiden level. I think it's challenge. easier than most of the Contra games. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely and, say that. And, yeah, and probably better for it. Yeah, and I had yeah. totally forgotten that there's like a weird like section where you drive around in a spaceship. Yeah, yeah. Was, I mean, was cool. Anyway, you should play Gunstar Heroes. That's yes, my tip. People should. And you know what? The Game Boy Advance one is not bad either. Mm. There's a there's a pretty decent little kind of half port, half sequel yeah. kind of thing. All right, well, let's start by talking about our first game today. That is Angry Birds Trilogy. This was released August 13th, 2013, developed by Rovio and Fun Labs, and it was published by Activision. Mm. And this was also released on 3DS, PS3, 360, and Vita. That's where I want to go working is at the, in the Fun Labs. Oh, yeah. Where you, you learn how to manufacture fun and sprinkle it over the masses. I have, do you imagine it's like a really boring work environment? Like, oh, yeah. Like, workers, welcome to Monday at Fun Labs. Lunch will happen at 1230. Lunch today is, uh, what's the most? Soup. Yeah. <laughs> Chicken soup. Generic soup. Yeah. <laughs> Plain soup. With unflavored potato patty. <laughs> Please proceed to the nearest exit at Fun Labs. Salt is prohibited. Have a most fun day. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think they need to balance it out because it's kind of like, you know, if you work at a coffee shop, you don't want to go home and drink a bunch of coffee. That's you know? true. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about this little game called Angry Birds, and let's go back in time to the year 2007. Oh, look at that. Boy bands roaming the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the first iPhone hit the market in 2007, and uh, fair to say one of the handful of inventions in our lifetime that literally changed the world. Yes. You know, like I'm looking at an iPhone right now as I'm looking through my notes. Um this has changed every single aspect of our lives, you know, yeah. and it's been a pretty big deal. And mobile gaming is definitely one of the markets that it really kind of changed. Um, so the company launched the App Store in 2008, which opened up this entirely new platform for independent game development. Before the App Store, if you wanted to get a game, like there was a very limited handful of games that you could get for the iPhone, and they could be like 20 to 30 bucks. Like, wow. It was a hard sell to get anybody to buy a game on your iPhone. Did they? Then. Did you have to go to like the designer's website to to download it? I am like- Yeah, I think so. there were like all kinds of weird steps. You had to like get a downloader and all that stuff. Okay. Like, so it's weird to think of a of an iPhone before there was an app store because that just kind of that that kind of unlocks the potential of the device, right. you know. Um, so yeah, they launched that i that platform in uh, 2008, and it provided a really great platform for a lot of independent game developers. You could also criticize it because you know Apple had final say on what got put onto their platform, so it's not like does Apple still have final say on that? Because I feel I like there's unbelievable amounts of crap in the App Store. I, yeah, I think I but. feel like it's less regulated now, right? Like it must be. How many games of like. Anna from Frozen being pregnant are there, you know? Like, that's a weird <laughs> or phenomenon a couple years ago. slightly irate penguins, the game. Oh, right, yeah, exactly, exactly. Off. Flappy bat, yeah, I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, So, yeah, uh, so in 2009, the platform was updated to allow in-app transactions, which dramatically changed the way these games were monetized. Uh, and there were a few early hits that came out before this game, like Bejeweled was a big one. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Tetris is always going to be big. But uh, this game, Angry Birds, is probably the defining title of the App Store, at least of this era. Okay. Uh, so it was created in 2009 by Yako Isalo, who is a designer working for Rovio. And this is a Finnish game developer that was on the verge of bankruptcy while they were working on this game. Uh, their game is a physics-based puzzle game inspired by this Flash browser game that came out the year before called Crush the Castle, which uh, if you if you look at them back-to-back, they're kind of identical, except... 
Angry Birds just has so much more personality and mm. it's just, just more fun. Crush the Castle is just like a trebuchet simulator. Yeah, basically, yeah. It's just lots of gray castles and like kind of medieval backgrounds and not very interesting. So this title launched on uh, the App Store on December 11th, 2009, and within three months it had become like this viral success. So part of the reason for that was a 99 cent price tag. You know, yeah. when everything else is 20, 30 bucks, a 99 cent game that is intuitive and fast paced and offers a whole shitload of content, you know, that's hard to, hard to turn away from that. And it, I mean, that's a very innovative choice. Like if it's a company that's sort of facing bankruptcy to yeah. sort of take that choice and be like, all right, we think that we can make more money by, you know, charging a very low sort of impulse price point yeah. as opposed to, you know, trying to, you know, sell it for 20 bucks. And that totally has set the precedent. Like now you would never see a mobile game, like most mobile games, it's it's even gone farther. Like most yeah. mobile games are quote unquote free. Yeah, yeah, they're um, free to play, free yeah. to play, and then they will start gouging you. Yeah, because but, it, it does establish like, oh, people just want to not feel like they have to make a commitment to a game. They don't want to have to invest very much in a mobile game. Yeah, exactly. So within the first year of it coming out, it had 36 million downloads. And two years after that, by 2012, they would hit 1 billion Wow. downloads okay that's insane wow. that's insane to go their goal was 100 million their like stretch goal was 100 million and they hit a billion within two years uh and so obviously this game was just like a merchandising bonanza they were toys comics cartoons books even their theme parks over in europe uh in 2014 we got the angry birds movie which grossed 350 million dollars worldwide and it was followed by an even more successful sequel have you seen this movie i have not this it's... is wait so you have i've seen the first one okay it it is really baffling. I kind of want you to watch it and okay. let me know what you think because okay, well someday I think it is accidentally incredibly racist. I don't think okay. they set out to make it racist. I think they just didn't really think about the connotations of what they were doing. But like, it's kind of super racist. Okay, well, good. That is one of my favorite things when I when I'm enjoying a slow day. I'll be like, I think I want to watch some accidentally racist content. Yeah, and I will know right where to reach. The, that the the core idea of it is that there's one red angry bird. He lives on an island with a bunch of other ha happy birds. Okay, and he just doesn't trust anybody. Doesn't like anybody. And then all these pigs start coming to their island, but he's the only one who doesn't trust them because like they're immigrants and they have strange beards. Okay. And he winds up becoming the hero because right. he's the only one who is suspicious of these foreigners. Got it. So, yeah. so it, it's a movie about the virtues of xenophobia. Kinda. Yeah. It kind of is. And okay. I, I genuinely do not think that was anybody's intention. I just think they didn't think that through. Sure. And I mean, it's a tough. It, it, it's a pretty tough reach because it's like these games do not really establish a ton of backstory like no, so. no no you you know that there are pigs they are stealing eggs from birds and the birds are willing to die to get those eggs back mm -hmm. uh but yeah so i don't know that's that's my take on it i don't know i never saw the sequel i hear that one's better um i don't know my mom's a big booster of the sequel for some reason she, she really <laughs> likes angry birds movie too all of right all the... kids we're all here for thanksgiving everyone gather around yeah and watch some angry birds go figure like yeah. i don't even like i have a younger brother and i don't even think this was his movie i think this was my mom like <laughs> just finding this movie and liking it which is great uh, one other kind of controversial thing to note about Angry Birds is that in 2014, Edward Snowden identified this app as leaky and possibly feeding your personal information to the NSA. Uh, uh that was back when we, uh, didn't know that all of our apps were doing that and we cared more. I, can we, like, 
I don't want to get too heavy here, but can we just take a moment? Yeah. For how bizarre it was. What year was that? 2014. Okay. Yeah. That like six, eight years ago, 10 years ago, there was a whistleblower who realized that the government was spying on our phone conversations. Uh-huh. And it was obviously a huge deal, but now we're just like, yep, that's, 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 yeah. That's how it works. That's, that's probably right. It's, I think it because like after a while, it's like, all right, well, what do I care what Angry Birds knows about me? You right. know, like Angry Birds is establishing that I spend too much time playing Angry Birds, you know, like, but I, I, I there no, are more I, sinister no, I, connotations to all of yes, this. Yes, no, of totally. Yeah. But it, it's just kind of like, eventually, like the logic became like for all of our private information, it was like, oh, I guess we're past the point of no return. So who cares? Right. Like, they already all, know everything about me. So who cares if they know more about it's me? It's all out which there. Which is totally yeah. not a healthy perspective. It's and, 100% not. But, but uh, speaking of the ways that the iPhone has changed our lives yes, and changed exactly. the ways that we think about privacy and things like that. Uh, so Rovio, they expanded dramatically after the initial game's success, and they began producing sequels and spinoffs, which were all very, very successful. It was kind of a yearly release for a while, uh, and then it was a multi-yearly release, like you know, three or four different Angry Birds games at, at a time, and they were it was getting to be a little bit much. Uh, it started hitting a point of diminishing returns as the uh, additions. This, they were kind of increasingly sweaty, and right. then Angry Birds 2 came out in 2019, and it was a big hit right off the bat. In 2019? 2019, Okay, yeah. wow. Uh, oh, no, I might be off, off on that date. Okay. Okay, it, I think it was sooner than that, but yeah, okay. Angry Birds 2 came out, and uh, it was very, very dependent on microtransactions, which weren't really a big focus of early iPhone games, but right. by, the t- by like three or four years later, it absolutely was the defining model. I wonder, like, because we always hear about how huge of a section mobile gaming, like, yeah, the the amount of income and just monetary value and people playing and, you know, some people just spending outrageous amounts of money on yeah. games. And I, I wonder what, like, the biggest section of gaming is, like, what the most lucrative is. Is it, like, sort of subscription-based games, like, um, or, like, free-to-play things, like, League of Legends, Warcraft, the, Final Fantasy 14. Is it like big AAA console releases? Yeah, yeah. Or is it the mobile sector? Well, I, I know the number one highest grossing video game right now, like on across yeah. any platform, is Clash of Clans on the okay. uh, which is a mobile game that requires a whole lot of buying shit. Like it's it's basically just a buying shit simulator after a little bit. Now, is that true in the United States, or is that globally? That's globally. Okay, globally. and I imagine that most of that is probably from China, right? There's a great deal of that from yeah. China, and there there's some other games that like I, I'm forgetting the titles of now because they're all just kind of generic, like sword and sorcery sort of sim things, kind of similar to Clash of Clans uh, that are produced in China and that are like really, really huge. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's not one that I know about. But and yeah, so yeah. It, it's just odd because we spend all of our time in sort of, emo- you know... <laughs> emotional interest um thinking about these big console releases and yeah. stuff and they are not even like sort of the focal point of where the most money in games is being made well and that's kind of the funny thing too like the once the mobile market became really big especially with games like angry birds it's like uh it, it sort of divided the gaming community a little bit you know there's people like you know there, there's a um, there's an impulse to dismiss mobile games as like not real or like yeah. like not as impactful because you know maybe they're they're easier to do they're faster to do and they're casual games you know yeah. so I think there has been a bit of like a, a rift in that that is 
I think that's kind of gone the way of the console wars, you know, like we don't really think about like Xbox versus Switch versus PS5 anymore. Like right. we just think of like, all right, well, what do I have? What can I play on it? You know? Yeah. And there's uh, in like exclusivity is a much less common thing in general, yeah, but mm-hmm. exclusivity does still kind of persist. Like there's not a lot of, well, some games that are very distinctly designed for iPhone, um, like don't come out on consoles, but it is really weird. There's, sort of a big cross-section of people who just play console-style games on, like, a nice, powerful phone. Like, they get a Samsung Galaxy, and they play, like, what is it, like, Genshin Impact? Is that the name of that game? That one's huge, yeah. That's like a Breath of the Wild-style kind of game, right? Yeah, Yeah, and that's another thing that just baffles me, is, like, who are these people, like connecting a controller via Bluetooth to their phone and just playing some giant open world game. I mean, Facebook every day like advertises one of those little stretchy controllers that you fit around your phone to me and I never buy them because I'm not going to do it. It just seems like such an odd way to like, or like I'm part of this like ROM hack Facebook group and like the thing that they use to like emulate all these systems is just like an Android phone. Yeah. It's like, this is really the, what your preferred method is it weirdly like, freaks me out to do that i tried playing I Fortnite on my phone and it was getting so hot I, I it was freaking me out i yeah. was worried i was gonna burn out my phone how did you play Fortnite on your phone did you connect a controller to it or did no you i just, just i just uh i just tapped on it yeah yeah was it i mean i'm certainly not i didn't well, was, play much was it pleasant to control it that way like well I know you're not a not Fortnite really. guy. But. No, I'm not a Fortnite guy. I will say the game looked good and was running without lag, yeah. but that's never my favorite way to control things. It's like with the free-floating analog stick from the touchscreens, yeah. and it was getting so hot I couldn't hold the phone after a while. So, yeah, I'm like, you know what? I can I can die in I, Fortnite on a different system. Yeah, I guess that's another thing that we can add to our list of things that make us feel old Yeah, is people like playing console-style games on a phone. Yeah, because yeah, our yeah, brain yeah. It still exists in like the bejeweled Angry Birds space, and yeah, if it was more complicated than cut the rope, then you know I don't know it. You know, it's it's like that. Yeah, yeah. and so we're talking about like how Angry Birds was this giant, giant success, and how you know in that split of mobile games, it can be easy to dismiss it. Yeah, but like Angry Birds is a pretty fun game. No, it's like, great. It, it, it's very yeah well designed, and it's the idea that means a lot of sort of building your game to the platform that it's on. Yes. Which I think is an important thing that often kind of gets dismissed. Like, I mean, that is that is one of the things you can definitely say about Angry Birds is that it worked perfectly for the platform it was on. It right. was ideal for that. And like, I'm just, I'm just talking about this because, you know, we've been in that world, but like Mortal Kombat had a bunch of Game Boy ports for yeah. like all different systems. And they were always, always terrible. It, like unplayably terrible. Yeah, yeah. Because they made like a legitimate or not legitimate, but they made effort to like, all right, let's take the Mortal Kombat gameplay one on one fighting like different characters, special moves and put it on a Game Boy. And it's like that just doesn't work. You have to come up with something else weird like. I don't like there's a Batman game for Game Boy where you just run around and have a gun and yeah. like it doesn't feel like Batman really but it's a pretty fun game. Weirdly and, one of the things I'm going to toss out as a exemplar of that is Daikatana. Yeah. So Daikatana is a really bad first person shooter and then on the Game Boy it's a pretty fun top down Zelda style game. Like Exactly. That's the way you should be. Or there it. was a James Bond game again yeah. for the Game Boy that the did same that deal. similar thing. It's like you have to think about what am I working with here and what is conducive to the game I want to make, not just, oh, I'm going to port this console style game over to the phone, even though that seems to be where we are now. Yeah, yeah. And so Angry Birds, I think, really hit on a lot of 
what makes mobile gaming successful, yeah. which is that it's very intuitive, aside from a very affordable price point, it's yeah. very intuitive. You can pick it, it up and put it down anytime. Yep, the levels are unbelievably short. Mm-hmm. So, you, yeah, you can play one for 30 seconds. And it's very colorful, so it's easy to sort of see and understand what's going on, even if your attention is kind of split. Yeah, it became kind of uh, synonymous with just like, idly playing on the bus or in line at the bank or just like, you know, it's just kind of the thing you do to like twiddle your thumbs, you know? Right. Uh, And the thing that makes me feel old is that these games, like uh, pretty much the entire early Angry Birds series, you can't get them anymore. They've been discontinued on the Mm -hmm. App Store. I think uh, the Apple Arcade, like which is their new paid subscription service, they have kind of an encapsulated version of Angry Birds 1 that's like the original one that you could pay uh, premium for. I mean, there is, like, that is true for all the talk that there might be of, like, video game preservation for consoles and things like that. Those are much easier and more commonly preserved than things like Flash games or mobile games where it can be harder to kind of dig into the roots of your phone and sort of find a way to preserve that. And like the infrastructure of a phone is always changing. So it's like, we still have an old NES to be able to play cartridges, but it's much harder to have like a phone from 2009 that still works and runs Angry Birds. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's something we run into a lot on uh, Ultra 64 DD when we're trying to play through every game in a series there are a lot of mobile games that pop up like Mm -hmm. that, some of which might be considered full versions of the series, but you can't access them anymore, you know, because they, they exist in these very limited windows and there isn't, like you said, there's so many of these things that there's not really much effort to preserve them unless they're still continuously popular. So it makes it interesting. It also makes it interesting to have these games on a disc kind of just locked in time, you know, like this is a great way to play the first three angry birds games without having to have some uh, uh, additional microtransactions or to have to look at ads or to have to look at all the different ways that they've evolved it over the years. This is kind of locked in amber, uh, yeah. which is cool. Which is that cool. is cool. So this disc contains uh, the first three mobile releases, which are Angry Birds, Angry Birds Seasons, and Angry Birds Rio. Uh, and there are about 20 exclusive stages in each one, plus bonus features uh, such as biographies of the birds. Oh, perfect. Uh, which Just obviously what I want to pay more for. Mm-hmm. I think the big, the, the hard sell with these games on the console, and we can kind of like segue into it, is like, you, how do you convince someone to pay $20 for a $1 game that you probably already have in your phone? I think how you convince them is they say, hey, are you a parent who doesn't want to buy your kid a $600 iPhone? Exactly. Spend $20 for this game, and then they'll get Angry Birds, which all their friends have. Perfect. Yeah, that's so, exactly right, I think. I think that's exactly right. Even though the Even though the game is, you know... $19 more expensive on the disc, that's still a lot cheaper than having to buy the iPhone itself. That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. All right, well, let's let's break these down a little bit. Uh, very quick, I mean, you know, for, if you haven't played Angry Birds, then uh, it's just a physics-based game. You have a slingshot on the left side, and then you have structures with pigs on the right side. You launch a bird, a different colored bird with different abilities, and you try and knock over the buildings and kill all the pigs. Yeah, the, that's kind of it. The structures are built out of different materials. Yeah, so like they'll have wood, which you can kind of is easy to knock around when you shoot your bird into it, and kind of can make the whole structure collapse. But sometimes there is stone, yeah. which you kind of need to. You need to take out the wood under the stone because your birds are not going to be penetrating the stone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's glass. How is the glass different? The glass, uh, it, 
it's best to use the little blue guys to okay. kind of hit it at multiple points and shatter it um because your other guys will they'll break it but they won't kind of do the uh penetrating damage that the blue guys do got it so this is worth noting i'm going to put you on blast a little bit you, you said this is your first time playing angry birds i th- i think like, so that's pretty crazy yeah uh, what what are your impressions coming at it as a as a fresh-faced person 13 years later uh i could see it being a fun game to have on my phone. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, being very conducive to that, but also a pretty hard thing to think, all right, this is what I'm going to spend my time on the TV playing. A hundred percent, yeah, yeah. Because it is, so, I mean, we talked about that last time with Funky, Funky Barn, mm-hmm. um, the funkiest game we've played Damn, so far. Damn, that barn was funky. Yeah, uh, but that's a game that you kind of, is fun to play in the background while something else might be going on. And that game is about a hundred, a thousand times more complicated than Angry Birds yes. in terms of what is going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if we were running to play that in the background, like Angry Birds just is not really going to occupy your attention. And no. so I think that it is very cool that it is on Wii U mm-hmm. as, like you said, a sort of encasing that in amber in its original form. Oh man, I just thought of a better title for our show, On Wii U. <laughs> it's very, it's, we're very sad about playing Wii U games. Yeah. On Wii U. Maybe right, appeal to that Fr- French demographic. <laughs> um, but like, it's just, to have it on the on the TV, or I, I don't know, it, 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 it's a game that's at home on its original platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah. quite sell me on it here. No, no, I agree with that. Um, it was it was a nice kind of uh, memory trip for me. I, I was, I, you know, I think like most people, I played a lot of Angry Birds yep. when it was new. I had a new iPhone. I wanted to show it off. And it's like, hey, this is a cool game that I can play <laughs> on here. Uh, and uh, yeah, I played quite a bit of Angry Birds. It's been years, though. Like, uh, it, it's kind of amazing how it just really while still being a successful property, has just sort of fallen out of the zeitgeist. Um, well, it, it is kind of amazing that it achieved... I, I, I'm not surprised that the game achieved the levels of success that it yeah. did, because it was in a relatively uncrowded marketplace in the time. But it's weird that, like, the brand has achieve, achieved success. They were... Like, Rovio was really, really, really smart about that. Like, they, they, they built a whole empire around this, and none of their subsequent games have been as big they've tried a couple of original ip uh that just didn't go anywhere right but it's just like it's the, it's a kind of example of a brand that exists like that gets pushed down our throats simply because it's like one at it's so well known yeah it's yeah, not yeah. because like oh these characters are interesting or this is a world i want to live in no or like my my curiosity is tickled by the possibilities of Angry Birds, and they're like, "You want dolls? You want you know? You want action figures? You want commercials about Angry Birds? Like yeah, you yeah. want movies? You want cartoons? We have it all." And it, but like none of these games have all that much characterization or personality. Like they have a no, little every, bit of personality. You, you get relative, like a but, very very brief cutscene before, but it's each like a world. still image. It's almost a still image, and it's like it's telling the same story every single time. It is that pigs are stealing your eggs and you are angry and want to go stop them. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's incredibly minimalistic, like, which is why, you know, the, the cartoon series and the uh, movies kind of built out the world a little bit. But, but I agree, like the recently, the last time I saw the angry birds was in a Geico commercial yes. and, and it made me think like, holy shit, these are like legacy characters. Now these are like people's childhood characters. Yep. You know, similarly, there was another Geico commercial of kind of the same, campaign but it was animal from the muppets which is like all right that's somebody i think of as a nostalgic childhood character and now people are doing the same with angry birds and that's true and i uh, crumbled to dust and blew away (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> so it's it's interesting to see how it's endured and how it's stuck around. Like this original game has about three hundred levels, so there's like it's meaty. All of these are meaty. Like they're they're short levels. But they usually require two or three tries to get through, and even more if you want to go for a three-star rating every time. Yeah, I, I would say, like, because the core aspect of this game, I don't know if I would describe this game as being fun, but mm. it is sort of, like, addictive and satisfying. Like, I'm not necessarily excited about it, but you do kind of get that dopamine hit when, like, you get a really good shot and everything sort of crashes. It's kind of yeah. like the... Uh, crash mode in burnout sure where you would just sort of drive your car off a ramp and try to cause as much destruction is you'll see like these towers leaning one way and back and you're like ah come on yeah but like your actual sort of gameplay and engagement is fairly limited because all you're doing is pulling back and sort of aiming yeah and releasing well i mean you're listening for your number at the deli you know it's like you 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 can't be paying too close of attention to this so yeah that's an interesting distinction because it's like you think of games like Candy Crush. It's like, would I think of Candy Crush as a fun game? I don't know that I would, but it is something that occupies me. You yeah. know, like, yeah. Which is, I don't know. It's it's kind of a kind of an insidious subgenre of games that do that. But I mean, uh, but I mean it could be said of every hobby that we have, right? Yes. How do you differentiate something you're legitimately engaged with versus something that you use to occupy you? Exactly. And yeah. I yeah. think that's more of a very personal thing. Sure. But I do think, you know, they do a good job for having 300 levels, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, again, it's 300 levels per game per in game. this trilogy. So you're getting like a thousand levels here. Yeah. Um, they do a pretty good job of laying things out that you actually have to kind of think about it. Like, it's yeah. not a brainless game. No, not at all. Even though all you're doing is, like, flinging these birds. There is some strategy. You know, sometimes a structure will be built entirely of wood, but there'll be one glass piece kind of, like, load-bearing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you need to aim your bird to take out that glass piece and hopefully trigger a chain reaction and take everybody out, you know? like Because you only get four... Usually, it's usually four birds. Yeah, somewhere around like like three or four. Per round, and if you sometimes don't more, destroy less. all the pigs with those, like, you have to restart the round. And sometimes... You know, they'll they'll be like more than four pigs yeah. in the level. So you have to figure out a way to take out multiple. And the birds have different special powers. Like one of them, when you tap on it, you get a little speed boost. Mm-hmm. Another one, when you tap on it, you'll divide into three different birds. There's a chicken that drops bombs. There's a big bird that just is a bomb. There's just a big chungus who like breaks through stuff by being big. And so, yeah, you'll have to be like, okay, I'm getting this sort of little bird first. So I have to use him to kind of open the way and then I can drop a bomb in there later. Like yeah. it does do a good job of kind of, it straddles the line between uh like being a sort of skill physics game and actually like having puzzles. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. Um so the second game on this disc is Angry Birds Seasons, which the gimmick here was that it was kind of released just as a Halloween special. It was supposed to be like, oh, here's a couple of bonus Halloween theme chapters. Like, it, it was its own separate downloadable game rather than, like, part of Angry Birds. But uh, it was originally just meant to be that one little gimmick, and then people bought it and liked it. So they added another season and another season and another season, and then the whole thing became called Angry Birds Seasons. Okay. And uh, it is practically identical to original Angry Birds. It's just kind of getting some new skins and some new Yeah, totally. Like, styles uh, I would there. say the graphical style of this game is a lot like Worms, where yeah. it kind yeah, yeah, of... Yeah. Structures are just floating out in space, and they're kind of rethemed to different things. Totally, yeah. 
I mean, I feel bad. There's not, there's just not really a lot to say about Angry Birds seasons. It's just, you know, hey. You no, I mean, we had a lot of wind up going into this episode. And yeah. maybe people were like, oh, when are they actually going to talk about the game? And like, the thing that's weird is for a game that has a thousand levels, you can essentially describe it in 30 seconds. Totally. And it's just like, all right, you, you like what you're doing? Good. Yeah. Do it for it might, hours and hours and hours, but it's always the same. It might take you a couple of worlds before you see all the birds that you can get. You know, there are some later birds, like the green toucan who can use his boomerang and like things like that but that you that is pretty much what you're gonna get uh the game that tries to mix things up a little bit actually is angry birds rio so this is a spinoff that came out in 2011 and this is the first time that angry birds was used to cross promote another product uh which they've done a few times since there's an angry birds transformers game okay. that's really weird um a couple of other things like that well the thing that's odd is the thing they were cross promoting is the movie rio which kind I am of a forgotten movie. Yeah, kind of a forgotten movie. But I imagine a movie that do you think I guess animation animated movies take a long time. Yeah. But do you think that this movie was like decide put into production with the success of Angry Birds? Oh, or? I can't imagine. I okay. it, it must have been in production before then, but like they wanted this to ride been, that wave of birds. Angry Birds would have been at the height of the zeitgeist at this moment. So like we've got an animated property with birds, like it's a it's kind of a no brainer. Yeah. Uh, so it's a 2011 a movie. It's from Fox and Blue Sky, who are the people who made Ice Age. Uh, and it's, I've never seen it. I know it's about a, a, a bird who lives in Ohio and he is taken to Rio de Janeiro for some reason. And he gets Carnival. out of his cage. Oh, obviously. And he gets out and he meets some other wild birds and has to learn how to adapt to his new environment. Uh, Sounds like a movie that exists. I hear it's fine. I hear it's fine. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, one of those kind of movies, but, uh, you know, it was a it's minor a movie that is not time. made for us. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I like animated movies. It's yep. just I don't I don't need to seek out every one of them. Uh, you know, and the movie was a minor hit at the time, and I think a lot of its success was kind of due to this game. Like honestly, I yeah, think this you, raised the awareness of this movie well, for like, a lot of people. Well, like what I, I as someone who was sort of not paying that much attention to either yeah. when Rio came out, I'm like, oh, is this an Angry Birds thing? Yeah, because like, it looks like it, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, um, and, and that's well, again what makes it natural because some of the Rio characters are in this game. That's and kind of they the just fit thing. very well. Yeah, they sort of like they kind of half recreate the plot of the movie and then half just like, it's half like a side story of like what the angry birds are doing during the events of this movie. So like there's a bunch of birds that you need to save from a cargo ship in the beginning. And then later you're fighting marmosets and you're doing, uh, this game adds some boss battles, which are interesting. There's just basically like a big guy at the end of the level. You usually need to knock some TNT crates onto them or something with some precise shots. Uh, and it also lets you play as some of the characters from the movie for like additional, things it, they're not like terribly useful at first like mm. your main guy the the macaw you shoot him and he just like he just starts flapping and flailing wildly yeah. like you need to be very precise about when you use him for it to have any impact uh, but there are lots of little hidden thingies in the background lots of uh you know it, it's it's a little bit more like gamified yeah than the earlier ones like there's like collectibles that they'll track like the, yeah these hidden pineapples and stuff and there is a little more narrative to it but i mean it's basically the same game it's basically the same thing i think you're this... fighting monkeys instead which i i i much not not as cool i want to no. i want to i want to fight those weird pig heads those weird little pig yeah i, I got nothing against the monkeys yeah I don't, i'm not even calling them pigs because they're just heads they're just yeah. green heads you know um 
But yeah, I, I think Rio might be my favorite of this trilogy. I think it's just the most polished. Yeah. Um, and it, it offers the most variety while still kind of doing everything else I mean, the series does well. The weird thing about this is like, I'm not, I wasn't crazy about this game in any respect, but like, no. I have no idea how you would make this game better. Like, no, I, it's essentially perfect. For, for what it is. For what it is. For, I'm yeah, like, this is a for. port of three Angry Birds games. And like, my criticism is you have to go back to the menu. Like, you have to exit out of the game and go back to the menu to change basic settings. Yeah, every single pretty, time. pretty annoying. Very annoying. But they're using but, the same exact interface from the mobile game. So like, yeah. yeah. But you can play it on the gamepad, thankfully. It doesn't have yeah. that funky, farm prob- funky barn problem. Um, the default is to play it with both the TV and the gamepad, which I don't think is super great. Like, no, you can control it by, uh, using the joysticks Mm -hmm. and sort of aiming and then pressing a to shoot. That feels a little harder and less natural. Like it feels much better to use the, uh, little pen. Yeah. To that is one thing you could say that the Wii U version has over like the PS3, 360 version. Those are stuck with those analog stick controls, which, you know, for this game is so developed with touchscreen controls in mind. It's so perfectly calibrated to that. It just doesn't feel right. And it, it feels much more satisfying as a sort of movement to feel like you're kind of pulling back on that slingshot yeah. and letting it go. You just feel a little more engaged with what's going on. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. So, I mean, that's another pro of this game. Like, this does feel like the way to play it yeah. over, you know, the... The Vita might have touchscreen controls. Yeah, but, I think it does, yeah. Yeah, that that's pretty nice. It, But... It's like the, there's tons of levels and they all sort of give you what you want. It's just like, why, am I really going to spend all my console, my console energy playing Angry Birds? Yeah, um, so probably I, not. Probably yeah, not. I don't know. It's, but the se- I mean, the next game we're going to talk about tries to do some other stuff. Yeah, let's talk about that now. It's Angry Birds Star Wars. This was released October 29th, 2013. Once again, developed by Rovio and Fun Labs and published by Activision. And this was also released on Android and iOS. Um, so this game uh, is based on the physics engine that was created for the 2012 game Angry Birds Space. Okay. And the big difference that that one adds, obviously you are in space now, and so it, it revolves around knocking structures off of these little planetoids, each of which will have their own gravitational poles and their own orbits. Okay. So you so have to kind of calibrate like, your shots that it's way. It's kind of like Super Mario Galaxy. Yes. Where you like there's these little balls that you can do a long jump from one to the other, but if you just do a little jump, you'll stay in the planet's orbit. Exactly, yeah. That's what it feels like. Uh, and so you have to kind of, uh, you have a new level of strategy there. Um, it takes the, this game takes that formula to its natural conclusion by giving it the Star Wars skin, uh, and it kind of recasts each of the bird characters as different uh, Star Wars characters. So like, I, again, with the Muppets comparison, but like, I felt like, it had kind of a Muppety vibe of like, you know, there would be a Muppets Wizard of Oz or Yeah, well, or it's like Treasure the birds Island. and the pigs are all playing roles. They're like putting yeah, on yeah. a play, like their interpretation of Star Wars. And it's like, okay, the red bird is going to be Luke. And yeah. the, you know, the brown bird is going to be Obi-Wan, like yeah, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah, it's it's a I, I think it's a clever way to approach it. And yeah, it, it gives it gives, a little more charm. And it gives all the characters new movesets. Yes. So they don't feel exactly like they do in the other Angry Birds games. So like... The, the bomb guy, he doesn't go off like a bomb anymore. He's now Obi-Wan, and he's got a little force push thing, you know? So that kind of changes the way that the game plays. Um, so yeah, they all have different reskins, and all the birds, all the pigs are now stormtroopers and stuff like that. Sometimes they appear as TIE fighters, which is really fun. Yeah, like, that's really cute. Um, part of the fun of this game, I think, is seeing all the different ways they could build the Star Wars world out of the pieces of the Angry Birds world. Yeah. 
like they're using the same materials for the structures and the angry birds but now they're building land speeders and adat walkers and things like that out of it which that's really fun to me well yeah it, that's what you know the earlier games were missing is they don't there's you're just like okay i beat level 114 now on to level 115 yeah you're not you're not excited about what the next thing coming up is and here you're like you play through tatooine like and everyone knows Tatooine sucks and we're all sick of it. But, oh, yeah. Um, We've been there too many times. Too many times. But you're like, okay, I wonder what, you know, the Death Star is going to look like or Cloud City. Like, what what is that going to look like? And later we played a different mode where it threw us into a lot of different worlds. And yeah. each time it was pretty satisfying to be like, oh, look, now we're on Dagobah. Yay. And what's that different layout? Yeah, yeah. And it also, like, you know, it just gives the game a little bit of narrative push because you're kind of following this story i wish i wish that they had for these home console versions put in some kind of like spoken cutscene or animated them in some way similar to like the lego games right because again they are just these still images of scenes from star wars with angry birds characters and you're kind of like oh that's cute and then it just moves on but it's and never that this, engaging this one is maybe a harder sell as a retail game because Angry Birds Trilogy obviously has three full games with 300 levels each. Yeah. This is one game with 200 levels that, you know, that, that, that's pretty limited. There was an Angry Birds Star Wars 2, but it came out after this disc was released, so it's not I included see. on I here. See. So it's just the one game. Uh, their best way to supplement that, though, is by adding 20 new levels, and then they also add uh, multiplayer and co-op modes, mm -hmm. which... Uh, so the co-op mode is kind of just what you'd expect. It's like alternating back and forth, like one person with the Wii remote, the other person with the gamepad, and you just take turns shooting birds and try and take the stage down. It is it is a shame that you have to use the Wii remote. Like, even though I was ragging on the analog joystick controls earlier, it's that still feels a little better than the Wii remote where you have to point it and sort of drag your bird back just because yeah. that's so imprecise. It's very imprecise, I, yeah. I yeah. mean, touchscreen's still the best. The... That's fun. I'm glad that there is a co-op mode. And the score attack mode is a lot of fun conceptually, yeah. too. It's like you can play with up to four players and you kind of each have your own. You start with the same level and it tracks your progress separately. So right. like you'll take a shot with Leia against your planet and then I'll take a shot with her. And then it goes back to you and whatever damage you've done, you know, continues. Mm -hmm. And so then they give you little point bonuses at the end, like if you defeated all the pigs or if you d did the most damage in one shot, right? anything like that. And like that's pretty sad. It's kind of like um, bowling or shuffleboard type of vibe where you the other person takes a shot. And you're like, ha -ha, yeah. I, can, I can beat that, Yeah, um, which is a satisfying thing. My biggest problem with the multiplayer and kind of to extrapolate to this game in general, it feels really slow and just kind of generally unpolished. Like, yeah. the first game all felt like, or the trilogy that we played, felt like all the aspects worked pretty well, and you were always seeing what you intended to see. Yeah. Here, there were a lot of times where, like, the camera wouldn't move right. Like, I would shoot a bird, mm -hmm. and the camera wouldn't follow it. And I'd just yeah. be like, well, I wonder where that bird landed. Yeah, that like, was really weird. Yeah. Because we, I mean, we didn't really super have problems, like, zooming in or zooming out on Trilogy. Yeah. Like, it, it was kind of a pain in the ass to do it, and, like, it takes a little reorienting, but it wasn't acting all weird. In this game, it was being really weird. Yeah, it, it it, just kinda... and, like, the multiplayer mode, it takes probably between the time you shoot a bird and it lands before it moves on to the next player's turn. Yeah. It's probably, like, at least 10 seconds of 
sort of nothing happening. Yeah, yeah. Which really breaks the tempo. It's like if if this just cracked right from one player to the another, like this would be a fun game to kind of bust out at a very casual at a casual party. Yeah. We're just like, all right, you four guys just take turns playing this Angry Birds game. Yeah, yeah. But now like one match just feels like it takes about two, three minutes longer than it should yeah. with like how slow it all moves. That's really was a deal breaker for me. It was really odd. And and it's it's kind of frustrating because I don't remember if the mobile game did that. Like, I don't think it did. They usually like a, a little fast forward button will usually pop up if you're waiting for your bird to like disappear. Did the mo- but the mobile game didn't have a multiplayer mode. It right? did not. No, yeah. no. Okay. So, but like either way, like you could add that fast forward button, I think, to a, a multiplayer. And like, it is really a shame that like those technical aspects kind of ruin this game for me because I do think this is a better game yeah. like than the trilogy. I think it's very clever, yeah. Because it's re- like the abilities can be really satisfying. Like you had a great moment where there were two pigs left and you only had one bird left and yeah. I'm like, "Oh, but he's the Han bird." Yeah, yeah. So you could shoot him at one guy and shoot at the you know, you fling him at you one fling pig. your body at one pig yeah, and, and then, then you, shoot your blaster behind you to get the other one. Yeah. And it, it, it was pretty cool. It worked. Yeah. Yeah. You always feel good when it like pulls off. This one gives you a little bit of a guide yeah, when you're, that's really when you're nice. stretching out your bird. Think too. like in Bust a Move where there's those little dotted lines that show generally where you shoot. Yeah. It's not taking you all the way there, but it's showing you what your arc's going to do so you can calibrate a little better. Yeah, uh, that, that would that be. That was welcome. That was very welcome. And that, that kind of becomes standard on Angry Birds from here's on, here on out. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. Like I, I, I enjoy Angry Birds Star Wars as a game, like as an experience better than the others, but as a physical disc for the Wii U, it's got some weird bugs going on. Um, but I, I liked the, uh, score attack mode and I liked the co-op. Like I, I think those are welcome additions too. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think, I think it kind of balances out in the end. Yeah, no, totally. Like I think that I, I don't know necessarily which one of these I'd recommend over the other, probably the Star Wars one, just because it has more personality, but really there's really no reason. It's a shame that this disc didn't just come out like two years later and it was just Angry Birds quadrilogy or something. Or something. Yeah. Get, get all of them on there. And have this Star Wars. What I want is this Star Wars game to just play as smoothly as the other ones, which there's no reason that it should. No reason it shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's a bit of a bummer, but you know, Oh, what are you going to do? I mean, and again, this is, this is, even though I think that the Wii U is probably the way to play, you know, this game compared to other consoles, like the way to play Angry Birds is still on your phone. It's still the best way. Absolutely. And so like you do it, you know, Angry Birds 2 might gouge you for microtransactions, but if you really want to play Angry Birds, it's it's there. There's no shortage yeah. of Angry Birds content. There is, uh, I, I play a little bit of Angry Birds VR. It's Oh, uh, does that exist? It exists, yeah, I've got it. It's uh, it's all right. Do it's, you, are you a bird? You are in, the, you are the slingshot, basically. Okay. Like, you are from the slingshot's perspective, and you're just, it's, it's a similar concept, except just in 3D and from your perspective. So you're still trying to gauge distance. Do you have and to like, like hold the triggers to pull to you, pull back on it, and you can move it up and down to if, aim? If I remember, it's been a little bit since sure. I've played it, but yeah, I think that's kind of it. You use the the it's handheld. Cute. Yeah, yeah. There so. should be a mode where you can switch your viewpoint to either be a pig, where you just see this bird <laughs> flying to you, or be uh, to be one of the birds until you puke. Oh like, God, yeah. yeah. Oh, there might be. Yeah, I'm curious. I I, I haven't really played it too much, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It was fun for why I played it. 
All right, well, let's move on to our rankings. Each week we are ranking the games that we have just discussed. Uh, Where are you putting your Angry Birds? Yeah, I'm putting my Angry Birds at 42 and 43 on the list, which um, is going to what I'm now affectionately labeled the boring section, which is (laughs) behind Star Fox Guard, but ahead of Rapella Bass Fishing or whatever that game was called. Wow, okay. Um, Really... Even though that's somewhat low on the list, I want to be. I don't really dislike any of this these games. No. They're just all pretty boring. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I can't really think of the situation where I'd be like, ah, gonna settle down with some Star Fox Guard. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's uh, in in a in a vacuum. Like it's a pretty cool little game. Like yeah. looking and and I I'm excited that there was somebody here who like is experiencing that for the first yeah. time and kind of seeing that. That's and in cool. in the early mobile gaming landscape, it almost was in a vacuum. Yeah, you're like yeah. I have this phone. It's with me. I want to play play something on it. Yeah, there, there's not many options. On yeah. a home console, that's just not the case anymore. No, no. Uh, which one do you put higher? Oh, uh, the Star Wars one, I guess. Star Wars goes higher? Yeah, okay, for absolutely. the reasons discussed previously. Um, so I think I'm also putting Star Wars slightly higher. Um, I'm going to put these right underneath Scribblenauts Unlimited. So mm-hmm. that's putting at number 27 and 28. Yeah, uh, a couple which, other games that could probably safely go in the boring game section. Yeah, but. I think so. I think so. Uh, you know, and, and again, I, I'm with you in the sense that I don't think I'm going to bust out this disc and play it on my Wii U, you know, like probably not ever, but I, I like that they are preserved in a way, like in a sense, like we were talking about, like mobile games get kind of lost in the ether and I'm glad that there is something that has it sort of on a disc. This is the way it was, this is the way you remember it. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a pretty cool piece of preservation. And it works pretty, I mean, there's no complaints like playing it on the gamepad with the stylus. Like, well, you're watching something, well, you're watching Angry Birds in the background, uh, the movie, Part and two yeah, upon my exactly. mom's recommendation. You can, you can, yeah. you can bond with your mother Finally. over Angry Birds Part 2 Will you play <laughs> some Angry Birds the Wii U. Absolutely. So uh, if you want to bond with your mother, uh, write us Angry a letter. Birds trilogy. Uh, uh, yeah, we do have a letter. Uh, I have liked to bond with my mother. Oh, this works out well. Perfect. Oh, that's perfect. No, we don't have a letter oh. this week. But hey, if you want to send us letters, you can send it to ultra64podcast at gmail.com. And I imagine you might have some letters coming up because we've got a very, very big game coming next Ooh, week. I'm uh, and I'm not even being facetious about it. It's a very big one because we are playing Super Smash Brothers for Wii U. That's right. Smash Wii U. Brothers. I've heard of uh, this. A, a game in which strong men punch each other. It's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them are dinosaurs and some of them are women. Some are little boys. And some are big apes. Some are whatever Kirby is. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to say Mochi. Do you think that Kirby and Jigglypuff are made out of the same thing? I've always wondered that. So in Detective Pikachu, the movie, like Jigglypuff has like a, a, a thin layer of fur on him, right? Oh, like he's, gross. But he's not like fluffy. He's kind of like a bull terrier, you know, but okay. he, he's furry. And I always imagine them feeling like, you know, like galoshes or something. Like, marshmallows. Like marshmallows. Like, yeah, something something shiny and polymer. Yeah, the hair, her hair kind of weird, weird me out. Yeah, I don't want to see Kirby with a lot of hair. I don't know. We'll settle this next week. Next week, (laughs) as we evaluate the body hair of every single combatant in Super Smash Brothers for Wii U. All right, folks, thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Flinging a bird your way. I went everybody's head about the bird. The bird, bird, bird. The bird's a winner. Well, the bird, bird, bird. The bird is a winner.